Here's a quote from this book. Life is all about decision-making. Every day, multiple times a day, sometimes we're unsure. Some of us are quick to decide. Others of us, others of us can't ever get enough information before we decide. You may be one of those. You need more and more information before you feel comfortable. But in the end, we're, we are where we are because of the decisions that we've made. Sometimes there are other people that make decisions, and, and it pushes our life a certain direction. But, but ultimately, ultimately, our life is where it is because of the decisions that we've made, right? Our futures will be determined by our decisions as well. Your decisions are your steering wheel, your joystick, your keypad, which means that your decisions determine your story. On the backside of a bad decision, you'll often hear someone say, I should have asked more questions, <laughs> you know, before I jumped in. I can remember when, uh, and Landon's here, so I'll pick on him. Uh, he doesn't like this, but when Landon was a teenager, I could never ask enough questions when he was going to do something. And he, he would, I would say, you didn't, you did such and such. Well, you didn't tell me I couldn't. I said, I didn't know you were going to do that. You didn't ask me. I could, he, he, you could never nail him down. He was great. He's a great, uh, he's a great salesman. He's a great salesman. And, uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry. A little family, just a little family discussion we're having. Y'all want to be a part of it? Okay. <laughs> we know that the more questions we ask, the more information that we acquire, it will lead to greater insight and a greater decision. So we know that if we can stop, get more answers, we're less likely to make a bad decision. The problem is, is that often we have already emotionally made up our minds. We have already made up our minds, and so slowing down to ask ourselves questions that may cause us to change our mind is difficult. We don't want to change our mind. We've already made up our mind what we want to do, what we feel like doing, what we would enjoy doing, what we think we should do in that moment, and so we don't want to stop. We don't want, to, we don't want anybody asking us questions, you know, because there's hardly anything more unwelcome than unasked-for advice right? That's the way we all feel. So we're going to talk about five questions over the next couple of weeks, five weeks, uh, based on Andy Stanley's book. First of all, it's the integrity question we're going to talk about today. Am I being honest with myself? Really being honest. The legacy question, what story do I want to tell? What do I want people to remember about me? The conscience question, is there a tension that deserves my attention? If you know Andy Stanley, that's a very Andy Stanley statement right there. It's my, there is tension that deserves my attention. And the maturity question, is it the wise thing to do? And then the relationship question, what does love require of me? So today we're going to talk about the integrity question. We're going to talk about, there's a guy in the Old Testament that lived about 600 BC, about 2,600 years ago, named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet, and he was a prophet sent to the kings of Israel when, when, Israel had already been carried off into captivity, and Judah was the only one left. And the kings of Judah, God is in the process of disciplining them for their rebellion. They have chosen to go after other gods. They have chosen idolatry. And because of that, the land is unraveling around them. They are being carried off into captivity. They've made bad decision after bad decision. And Jeremiah has been sent as the prophet of God to, to warn them 
repeatedly, and they just keep ignoring him. They ignore him so much. Uh, they resent so much the truth that he keeps telling. They don't want to hear it. Instead, they attacked and rejected the messenger. Eventually, they threw Jeremiah in a cistern, in a, in a pit, without water in it. But it was, you know, it's interesting. The story gives great detail that, that there, there was no water in the cistern, but it was muddy in the bottom, which would make it even more miserable. So God is speaking through Jeremiah, and he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to teach. He's trying to get them to go the right way, to repent, to turn back. Uh, and the, the, the kings, especially of, of, his, of Judah at this time, they're just not paying attention. So God, speaking through Jeremiah, tells us this about the human condition. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? You see, here's the problem. The easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. You have talked yourself into, deceived yourself into every bad decision you've ever made. Anybody about here ever made any bad decisions? You've done more to undermine your own success and progress than anyone on the planet. Self-leadership is the greatest challenge we face. In other words, getting ourselves to do what we know we ought to do. How many of you know there's always a gap between knowledge and doing, between knowing and doing? Anybody know the gap between knowing and doing? We talked about that. Everybody knows about exercise, right? You know, you need to exercise, you know, 90 minutes a week minimum. You know, they're wanting you to get your heart rate to minimum at least, at least 90 minutes a week. I think it's more than that now, but anyway. We know that. How many of y'all are doing that? Never mind, don't raise your hand. I don't make you lie. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then there, you know, there's all kinds of foods we know we're supposed to avoid and all kinds of things and, and all of that. We know it's, is there, and there's a gap between, and how often do we, before we take a bite of something, we say, I know I shouldn't. I know, I know, I, I know I shouldn't. I'm going to, <laughs> but I know I shouldn't. So, so, <laughs> so have you ever tried to lead a liar? It's pretty much impossible to lead a liar. In work and ministry settings, you fire a liar because there's no end to the damage they can do. So you need to fire the dishonest version of you that doesn't tell the truth and hire a new you, an honest you, a you that always tells the truth even if it makes you look bad and even if it makes you feel bad about you because there's worse things than feeling bad about you. I know that our culture would tell you the most important thing is to feel good about you, but there's actually worse things than feeling bad about you, and that is to be deceived about the truth about you. So if you lie to yourself, you'll lie to others, and we often have a false narrative. Do you have a false narrative? Uh, where you maybe stretch the way things were, maybe... Uh, Maybe you weren't that great as sports person. You weren't very good at football or baseball in high school, but it was very important. So maybe as you told the stories to people when you weren't close to school or you weren't close, you talked about your activities like you were somebody uh, when you weren't never, never, never did that. No. Erin Brown defines a false narrative as this, as plastic truth. She writes, what we've said so many times in our heads 
becomes plastic truth, our plastic truth. Over time, we take parts of our story, the pieces we've made up, actually cement it into the gaps between truth. False narratives become a crutch. We tell ourselves internal stories to avoid mistakes. It's so much easier to create a, create a story where someone else is to blame than to comfort tough things to comfort, to confront tough things in life. So, in other words, we will embellish the story to make ourselves look better. It's very difficult for us. We struggle, all of us struggle with telling the truth that makes us look bad. It's hard for us to tell a truth that makes us look bad. I have, I have counseled, literally, dozens of couples that have sat in my office, and they're sitting in my office. Nobody wants to come sit in my office. They're sitting in my office because their marriage is in trouble. They've had a serious, they've had multiple fights, and they've had one hell of a fight. <laughs> and now they're sitting in my office and what's interesting is that each spouse can remember what the other person said, but they can't remember what they said. They say, you cannot believe this. We, he called me, uh, and it's like, no, I didn't. But she called me. No, I didn't. It's amazing. So we can remember what the other person said, but we, what makes us look bad to ourselves in front of the preacher, suddenly we have amnesia. <laughs> and we can't remember it. That's a narrative. It's a plastic. A pla we're telling the story, and so we tell the story in such a way where, you know, we don't want, we want us to look good and them to look bad. And so we distort the story. AA and NA will tell you this. Rigorous honesty is the first rule of recovery. You've got to be truthful with yourself. Jesus said this. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You cannot make the best decision for you until you are honest with you. So the number one question you have to learn to ask yourself is this, the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Am I really being honest? Am I, so you ask yourself questions. Why am I doing this? Really? Why am I really doing this? Why am I avoiding him or avoiding her? Why am I postponing this? Really? Why do I keep making excuses? Why did I choose to purchase or lease that? Why do I drive this? Really? Why did I move in? I mean, really? Why did you move in? Why am I moving out? Stephen Covey said, you can't talk your way out of a problem you behaved your way into. So our problems usually begin by taking our own bad advice. And so there's three areas where we have things that happen there where we have big regrets. One is dumb, dumb purchases. Have you made any dumb purchases? You know, and you know why you did? Because you sold yourself on it. It was a pitch to yourself. 
Easy payments. Only 84 easy payments. <laughs> you know, I mean, it used to be you'd finance a car for two years, and then it was three years, and then it was four years, and then it was five years, and then it was six years, and, you know, it's not saying that you don't need a car and you can't finance a car. I'm not saying that, but we just need to be honest with ourselves about why we do it. Are you rigorously honest with yourself when it comes to how you spend your money? Are you honest with yourself about how you spend your money? One of the ways, myself, one of the ways that I deceived myself through the years is that I made sure I was getting a good deal. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and I do. I, I, I will make sure that I get a good deal. But, you know, a lot of times, if it's not free, you know, uh, Tim, <laughs> Tim Allen calls me the, rat, the right rabbi, Randy, because he says I'm so tight. Uh, but, you know, a lot of situations, if it's not free, you can't afford it. <laughs> you need to not, not do it. So... Dumb purchases. Have you made any dumb purchases that you, once you get into it, it's hard to get out? Those easy payments stop being easy. Well, I don't know why they, they started. They get in the middle. You know, the hardest part is the middle. So, how about doomed relationships? You sell yourself on a relationship. You settle in a relationship. Uh, you sell yourself. True, he doesn't have a job. <laughs> he hasn't had a job in a while, but he's such a great guy. You know just waiting for the right opportunity. Yeah, he still lives with his parents. He's frugal. He promised to pay me back with interest. Or, yeah, true, she can be manipulative. And she's admitted she's not good with money. She's constantly texting her old boyfriend, but it's because she says she owes him money. But, but she's fun. She's fun. You've seen her, right? Isn't she like... Beautiful. <laughs> so looking back, we wonder how we missed the signs. But you were all there. I mean, it was there. And we had people telling us, friends telling us, you know what you're... Why are you doing this? And we did it anyway. They were... They were <laughs> They were literally banging us in the head, but we chose to ignore them, and we chose to deceive ourselves. We weren't honest with ourselves. Destructive habits. The salesman inside of you whispered, that salesman, the salesman that's better at selling to you than anybody else, you can handle this because you're not like other people. This is not going to, it's not going to get you like it gets other people. It's not going to get you. You can handle this. Don't worry. You'll always be the master. You'll never be mastered. And you believed you. You believed you. What began as a pleasurable pastime turns out to a pathway that leads to a habit that leads to an addiction. You sold yourself. You rarely have to sell yourself on a good idea. You rarely have to sell yourself on the right thing to do. But when you start selling yourself, when you, 
This is the key. How do you deal with this? This is the integrity question. How do I, how do I stop? When I'm selling myself, you need to hit the pause button and ask, am I being completely honest with myself? Really? Am I really being honest with myself? Why are we so prone to self-deception? We do it. Why do we lie to ourselves? Why do we talk ourselves into things we later regret? It's called a confirmation bias. This is the way we're wired. This is what psychologists tell us. A confirmation bias is a tendency to, to only see what you want to see. When you, someone makes an, an argument contrary to what you believe and reasons that you should, you just reject that. You're just inclined to search out opinions that you already agree with. That's what they're saying. This is what is so dangerous today about social media and the way social media is working is that Facebook and Instagram, they are, they find out the sites that you go to and then they, they tailor the input you get to where you only get input from people that agree with you. And so it distorts your, you think everybody feels this way. And so, you know, so you think about the major issues that we have and you, you end up being, having, having limited input. And even, even so, so then even if you watch the news, the news, it's like the news already has a confirmation bias. And so you, you're struggling with that. So confirmation bias empowers us to see what we want to see in here what we want to, and tune out everything to the contrary. So when somebody says something, have you ever tried, let me tell you, have you ever tried arguing with somebody on Facebook? Slap yourself for your stupidity. In other words, you think you're going to change their mind and they think they're going to change your mind. And all you do is end up creating a lot of angry tension between you and then all these other people that jump, you, that you have, you don't, you may know the person, but the, all these other people that jump into the fray that don't know you at all, they don't know anything about you, and you, you know, and confirmation bias causes us to miss, mix it. Why? Mess up. Why? Because the heart is deceitful more than any else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful. Now I want you to know, this is not Jeremiah saying this. this. If you read just a few verses of, above this, it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is not Jeremiah speaking. This is Jeremiah quoting what the Lord told him. Jeremiah is saying, this is what the Lord says, the heart is deceitful above all else and is desperately sick, who can understand it? Deceitful. He doesn't say dishonest. Dishonesty is easier to spot than deceitful. The serpent was deceitful. Deceit implies an agenda. Deceit usually includes a mixture of truth, half-truth, and untruth. So when someone is deceiving Sometimes you don't see it unless you step back from it because they mix enough truth with the lie to deceive you. Deceitful. The heart is deceitful. In other words, the, the heart's not telling you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. 
It's telling you what you want to hear. We all, we all hear this today, you know, follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. It's one of the most dangerous, ridiculous things you'll ever do. It is desperately sick. So God is saying, the human condition, hey guys, I want you to know, just think about your heart, it's desperately sick. Well, I've got a sick, yeah, I've got a new heart, I've got a redeemed heart. Yeah, I do. But what it does imply, it implies that there's a permanent condition that requires consistent attention. In other words, there is a tendency within my heart to deceive myself. Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Then he says, who can understand it? On our own, by ourselves, nobody. I mean, think about it. We've all seen gifted, intelligent people do really stupid things. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you're one of those. But just think Adam and Eve. Or Abraham and Hagar. Or David and Bathsheba. Or Solomon. And everything else. Or you know, modern examples. Bill Clinton. Or recently, Bill Gates. These are smart people doing stupid things. How did someone that smart, how did someone as smart as you fall for that? Their hearts deceived them. So is there a way out? I've got three minutes to give you three things. First of all, the way out is you have to admit it. I have a problem of being honest with myself. In other words, you have, you have to be truthful about the truth. You have to rigorously pursue the truth for yourself. You have to be truthful. Secondly, you have to ask it. Am I being honest with myself? Take the time. To ask yourself, am I really being honest? I've got all these reasons. Did I, am I justifying what I have already made up my mind to do? Have you ever done that? I'm going to justify what I've already made up my mind to do. I rode my bicycle this morning so I can have dessert at lunch. Right? So basically, I just canceled out all that activity. The third thing is, and I think this is so important, ask for help. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. See, I think you need to ask, I need some help. I'm I, I might be deceived here. I might be self-deceived. And the, something inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, is the spirit of truth. And if you'll pause and listen to him, he will guide you into the truth. He will guide you into truth by the Holy Spirit inside of you. And we're going to talk about that more when we talk about conscience. 
He will guide you into the truth by the Word of God. God's never going to violate the Word of God. You never get special permission to go outside the bonds of the Word of God. When Dave, God loved David, he was a man after God's own heart. But when he committed adultery, it, it was still a sin. God didn't give him a bye. He didn't say, yeah, well, David, I really like you. And you're a king and you're under a lot of pressure. And, you know, she shouldn't have been taking a bath on the roof. It's, all, it's mostly her fault. You know. So, the Word of God to guide us. What does the Word of God say? A lot of times when you say, well, what does the Word of God say? Well, I, I don't like that. A lot of times you won't like what the Word of God says. And then you need godly counsel. See, because a lot of times if you'd slow down and ask somebody, you've got, you've got friends and people who love you, and if you, say, if you said to them, is this a good idea? They might say, no, I don't know what you're doing with her. I don't know what you're doing with him. You need to watch out. You need to think about what you're doing. You need to back up a little bit. You need to think about this. You need to ask yourself some questions. We need, we need to listen to godly counsel. We need to submit ourselves to people that will listen there's nothing more frustrating than people coming in and asking me, what do you think I should do? And I say, well, this is what God's Word says, and this is what I think you should do. And then they launch out and do the exact opposite. <laughs> then they want to come back in and say, I don't understand why that didn't work. I say, you didn't do what I said. <laughs> we want to do what the Word of God says. And there are people around you that maybe they've walked with the Lord a little longer. They've got a little more experience. They don't have skin in the game. It doesn't affect them. It's not their decision. But, you know, you could say to them, hey, I'm gonna, here's the thing. You don't have to buy that car today. That deal is, is not a once-in-a-lifetime deal. They're making that deal to people all day long, every day. They're going to make the uh, same deal to somebody tomorrow or the next day. And it's not exclusive. You don't, you don't have to do it right then. You don't have to buy that right then. You don't have to make that decision right then. What if you just sit back and say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop and give, give God a little time to speak to my heart so that I don't make a dumb decision. Amen? All right. Let's stand and pray. <clears throat> Lord, help us to have your wisdom, to know the truth, and the truth will set us free, to let the spirit of truth work in our hearts and minds so that we will listen to how you're leading us by your spirit. We will not be deceived by ourselves, but instead we'll be led by the spirit of God, and that we will listen to your word, and we'll hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against thee, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. It will light the way. If we'll let it, we'll listen to the word. If we'll stop and listen. And Lord, that we will seek out godly counsel. People, people who have already been there and already made mistakes can speak into our lives, can help us know which steps to take, which direction to go, and that we would have then the courage and the wisdom to do the right thing, not just do the thing we want to do. And we would have better decisions 
and fewer regrets in Jesus' name.